Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you are the lifter of our heads. Lord, in different circumstances, your hand reaches down. Wipes our tears. Comforts our hearts. Lifts our heads. And your voice whispers into our ears, I love you. Father, I pray that we take the rest of this time now that we have been here in your presence. And that you would empower the words that I speak with your Holy Spirit. That we would all be transformed. Our minds renewed. Our hearts refreshed. Our hope strengthened. Our vision expanded. Our understanding realigned with your understanding. That through this time, Lord, the feebleness and the, the weakness of my own words would be matched by the power of your awesome goodness. That each person that's here or those that would be listening later would have a moment of encounter with you. Father, we bring you our hearts and we just ask you, Lord, do that which only you can do in each one of our lives and in our lives together as a community. Father, be glorified here in this place. Pray this in the name of Jesus for your glory. Amen. I assume from your body language that you could all hear me fine because your posture is one of prayer and you're now no longer looking like you're praying. So thank you. I had trouble this morning with my technology, and uh, yesterday I had to restart my computer about four times, and each time it was just act weird. Not sure what was going on. Uh, and I uh, just got a message that someone is telling me that my sound is still low. So if you can hear me okay, just uh, wave your hand. Just let me know. It's, it's, I, this is for somewhat okay. This is okay. And this is not okay. Okay, so everybody is sort of waving. You've got your volumes up, right? So this is an exercise. It's like, you know, calisthenics of the hand. Uh, everybody's got their volume up okay. I think I need to do something to adjust my ambient. Okay, let's try this one more time. Is this okay? All right, again, big thumbs up from everybody. Okay, thank God. All right. Uh, I wish I could make it even louder because this is part of what I'm going to be sharing about today. Uh, you've heard me share with you about the different feasts of the calendar that God had given the nation of Israel. The uh, scripture makes it very clear 
that times and seasons, the calendar, isn't a Jewish calendar. The calendar that Israel has been given is not a calendar that was given at the time of the covenants between God and Abraham or even God and Moses. Moses was given an explanation as to how to fit into the calendar that God had already put into existence in the days of creation. When God created the heavens and the earth, on day four, he put lights, stars, planets, sun and moon, all of that he put on day four, and he very specifically, anybody guess what book I'm going to go to? Yeah, I can see some nods. Okay. In the book of Genesis, in the first chapter, on the 14th day, sorry, on the 14th verse, talking about the fourth day, God speaks the existence of all the heavenly bodies, and he says, and they shall be for times, he says, let there be lights in the heavens to separate day from night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. So this clock, as it were, this universal clock, this clock that's in the universe, that doesn't have gears, like you remember in the old days, not these digital watches, but back in the old days, when we had watches, they would have little gears that keep on turning. Some would turn left and right, some would turn in circle. You would have to wind them up. You would put energy, we would put energy into the spring that's inside it. And then when electric watches came out, that spring was replaced with a battery. But the original clock of the entire universe was one that God put into motion with the power of his word when he spoke the words, let the sky be filled. I'm stressing this. Because these planets and these galaxies all over the universe are spinning at a very set pattern. It's predictable. Astronomers can actually study these planets. And if you go to the planetarium, they will show it on the big wall or the big ceiling and show you how these planets rotate around themselves and others, how the earth rotates around our our star, the sun, and how this sun rotates as part of the other galaxies and the Milky Way and and all of these big global, not global, but universal bodies. And they are there as, forget the fact that they're there for science. They're there to indicate something that God is speaking to us. They are there 
to help us understand the clock and the calendar that God is using. When Israel was in Egypt as slaves to Pharaoh, God spoke to Moses and he told him to prepare a lamb and that they would eat this lamb on a specific day of a specific month so that that lamb whose blood is shed and put on the doorposts would now become the vehicle or the instrument of the deliverance of Israel, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name became Israel. So it was the 12 sons of Jacob or Israel who made up this nation of tribes of 12 sons, these 12 clans, and they became a people because they multiplied and multiplied in Egypt for 400 years. And God took this family, this family made up of these 12 tribes or clans or households that make up the family of Jacob that he renamed, God renamed Jacob Israel. So these 12 tribes are living in Egypt and they now became slaves. God speaks to Moses, their now supposed deliverer, who doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He says, send somebody else. But God speaks to him. God spoke the planets and the lights and the stars of existence. God speaks now to Moses and says, go into Egypt. He says, but, 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 but I can't speak. I, I stuttered. I'm weak of speech. And he says, no, Aaron will, and he says, send Aaron. He says, no, Aaron will be your mouth, but you are going to be my instrument. And he sends him into Egypt to speak to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out of Egypt on a specific day. And God now names the day and the month that was already in motion, but Moses was not aware of. This is how God functions in a lot of ways with everything that he does with us. If he tells us everything up front, we would never be able to contain it. He shows us his goodness, which leads us to repentance. He comes into a relationship with us. And in the midst of that relationship, he unravels and peels the onion one layer at a time for us to be able to grow in love and in relationship with him as we move into his mercy day by day. And we go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. It is an evolving process of discovering the goodness of God as we mature with him. I see some of your hands going up. Joshua, I see your hand. How many of you have been in that relationship with God where today, you know, not your Joshua, the other Joshua. I see you guys. I'm not like God. I'm not omnipresent. But somehow with the screen in front of me, I can see all of you and I can see your smiles. Thanks, Dahira. Okay, so as, <laughs> Boris, I see you as well. As we move into this place where when we come into a relationship with someone, in that relationship, we discover things. I know more today, <laughs> I was going to say I know more today about Silva than I knew when I first met her, which is true. But in the process, she helped me know a lot more about myself than when I first met her. 
And that's the beauty of our relationships on earth. We don't even know ourselves, but we discover ourselves in the process of relationships with others. So it's the same with God. He put the nation of Israel in a relationship with him, and he called it covenant. And in the midst of that covenant, he begins to show them day by day the depth of his heart, the depth of his love, the details of what it looks like. The covenant started with Adam when he created it, the covenant with humanity, that is. It has multiple iterations. So as he continues with each one of these new covenants, as it were, He's only dealing with the one covenant that he had from the very beginning. And he expands it, expands it, expands it, and takes us deeper. So now, Israel is in Egypt. They're slaves. God tells Moses, the calendar that I've always had, I'm going to let you name, I'm going to name the month that you're coming out of Egypt as the first month of the calendar. And as a matter of fact, on the 14th day, the moon will be full, and that will be the day that we will mark as the Passover. And he continues showing them all these different things. So there, these days that he has given Moses in the Mosaic Law, we call that the Mosaic Covenant, in that Mosaic Law, Mosaic simply means not these little stones that you make into a wall, but it means the law of Moses. So in this Mosaic covenant, not, not diverse, it's one covenant with one nation, Israel. It fits into the, the subset of all the other covenants of God. So within that covenant, he begins to expand his heart to Israel and shows them details about what he spoke about in Genesis 1.14. I, I love Numbers. Not the book of Numbers. I love the book of Numbers. But I actually love numerical tricks that God has used and written within the Bible. And uh, actually, he didn't write it that way. We did that. But we did that as humans who were inspired by God to divide the Bible books up in a way that would help us communicate them. So we give them chapters, we give them verses, and we talk about it. But I love the way that some of these things sort of click together. So on the first month, on the 14th, you would expect that the big thing would happen on the first, the first of the first, right? That's our new year. But God started the calendar on the 1st and did the big thing, the deliverance of Israel on the 14th. In my mind, the way my warped mind works, maybe I shouldn't say warped because my mind is not warped. It is renewed daily by the Holy Spirit. But the way my mind works is that there's a correlation between the first of the, the 14th of the 1st with the Passover and the 14th verse of the first chapter of Genesis. Because the biggest event that Israel first discovered was the Passover on the 14th. Up until then, they didn't have a calendar. And Genesis 1.14 is where God speaks of his eternal calendar. That to me is just 
for me. It doesn't have to be anything for you. You don't have to go and try to figure out where is this in theology? Is this off base? No, it's just the way that God speaks my heart language to understand his heart according to the way that he wired my mind. Don't get bent out of shape about this. This is not a theology. And he's not saying that, you know, because the Passover happened on the 14th, Genesis 1.14, oh my goodness, there's a big revelation, none of that. It's just little gems, you know, like pennies from heaven that God sprinkles throughout his word to keep me engaged at the heart level to love him even deeper. I think you all should have something like that. I don't mean you should have these little warped things. There's that word again. You, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about any relationship. You have these little love kisses or secrets between you and your lover. You know, I'm not going to tell you about some of the secrets that Silva and I have in terms of how we communicate. But there are little things that we do and that in the midst of the public, she and I know that we're communicating love to one another without anybody else noticing. Maybe our kids have noticed it. Right? Okay. So, God speaks the eternal clock into existence. He uses it now to communicate something to Israel. And the clock now is in action on earth. So the first thing that happens is month one, day 14, they kill the lamb and they eat it. And then they come out of Egypt. And then a few days later, something else happens. If you want to know the details of this history, it's in the book of Exodus, it's in the book of Numbers, and the details of the feasts that God had given Israel is in the book of Leviticus. But what I want to share with you is something very interesting. That from the time of the feast of Passover to the time of the feast of Pentecost, there's a period. Passover occurs on month 1, day 14. A week later is month one, day 21, and that's the day that is marked in the calendar as the first fruits, the feast of the first fruits. The feast of the first fruits is something uh, that is celebrated by the people of Israel where they bring the first fruit from the land and they wave it before God at the temple. And then they start counting seven sevens. They start counting seven weeks. They actually count day one of seven, week, week one, day two of week two, and they keep counting seven times seven. And when they get finished with that, the day after that, the 50th day, seven times seven is 49, for those of us who are still uh, working it out, seven seven is 49. So the day after that is the day that is the 50th day, and that's the day that is called Shavuot. You may want to say that out loud with me so we can practice it together. It's the Hebrew word Shavuot. 
which means weeks. W-E-E-K-S. Weeks. It's the Feast of Weeks. And it's one of the feasts, one of the three feasts. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Shavuot, and the Feast of Tabernacles or Trumpets. These are the three feasts, oh, sorry, the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. These are the three feasts, feasts that Israel is commanded to go to Jerusalem to celebrate. Some Christians have made it a habit to go to the Feast of Tabernacles to be in Jerusalem for that time. That's a little bit too, in my opinion, it's a little bit uh, too engaged. I'm not going to criticize it, I'm just going to call it too engaged. But God bless those Christians. We've been to Israel a few times, and there's an experience that you have in the presence of the land that Jesus walked that's a little bit different. Uh, leave that alone. Okay. So this Feast of Weeks, they've counted from the first fruits. The first fruits is a week after the Passover. And then they count seven weeks. This is all stuff that God gave Israel. It wasn't something that Israel made up. This is God speaking to Israel about this clock that's in the universe that the stars are keeping the clock up. The stars are keeping the timing up. And on this day of Shavuot, something very unique happens. Now, when the people of Israel were under Greek and Roman occupation, they had to translate the Bible Excuse me, the Old Testament, which is the Tanakh, that was the word that they would use for the Old Testament. It isn't really a word, it is a combination of consonants. The T stands for the Torah, the N stands for the Nevi'im, which is the prophets, the, the Torah is the five books of Moses. The N is the Nevi'im, which is the prophets. And the K, or the Ch, is Ketavim, which is the writings. In other words, the books of Moses, the prophets, and the writings. The Psalms, the other books of, of poetry, and so on. That is the body of books that makes up what the Hebrews, or the Jewish people, would call the Tanakh. And we call the Old Testament. In that Tanakh, the preciousness of God is contained. But in that Tanakh also, the first part of it, the T, is the books of Moses and the law that God gave Moses. And they needed to have that in a language that most Jewish people could understand at that time because they were scattered and they were under initially Greek and then Roman occupation. And they needed to translate the Hebrew into a language that they would understand. So they brought together 70 scholars. And those 70 scholars began to translate the entire Tanakh into Greek. 
And the name that they gave to that translation is the Septuagint, which means the translation of the 70. Legend says that they fasted and they prayed and they locked themselves up in a place and they all came together and as they translated it, they had agreement and they landed on this language. And it was at that time that a lot of the Greek that we inherit in the Bible of the New Testament today was actually linked to the Hebrew of the Old Testament. Guess what they called the day that is marked by these seven weeks and what they called that feast of seven. Uh, excuse me, of fifty. Seven weeks, seven times seven is forty-nine. What did they call that feast of Shavuot? In Greek, when they translated the Tanakh to the Septuagint, Anybody know? Wave an arm, do something, show me that you know what I'm talking about. Boris knows. What would they have called it, Boris? Lip it out and... and let me see your lift move. Pentecost, that's right. They called it Pentecost. Because Pente, Pentecost, means 50 in Greek. So that day, Pentecost, when it fully came, and we read about that in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, a lot of us may have filters. And we think that the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, the doctor, is referring to the feast of Pentecost that today we celebrate as the coming down of the Holy Spirit. But he was making reference to the day that is originally called by God the day of weeks, the Feast of Weeks, that later by the Jews was translated to Pentecost in Greek, that today we celebrate as the day of Pentecost, and we don't remember what happened on that day before that. We have been so imprinted with the understanding that that was a very significant day in the history of the church. We call it the day that the church was born, which is true, but actually not. It's the day that the church was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But the original Pentecostals were not the Christians. They were the rabbis and the people of Israel that would celebrate Shavuot the way God intended it to be celebrated. So how did they celebrate it? How did Jesus, for his 30 plus years on earth, celebrate Shavuot? Because he would go to the temple, as it was commanded, every year of his life. When he was a baby with his parents, when he was older himself, when he was in his ministry for the three years with his disciples. He would obey the law that was given by God and he would show up and go to the temple on the day of Shavuot. What was he celebrating? What was the significance that Jesus had in his mind about this day? Well, 
The Bible gives us a lot. But that day, as many other days in the relationship between, or any other things, in the relationship between God and man, there's a lot of things that the Bible actually in Proverbs says. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. There are matters that God in his own wisdom and according to his heart and his desire to, to train us up. He doesn't divulge up front. He slowly unravels and slowly unravels and allows us to discover it. Just like when a parent is playing chess with their young child. You know what piece is going to go where and cause what to happen. The child is still learning. She doesn't know that you've set it up so that her queen can eat your queen safely. But as she discovers that that's been set up like that, when you're teaching her, yeah, you do that to help coach her. But when she's also learned and she's now vigorously playing chess with you, you're afraid of doing that because she's going to clobber you. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, there she is. Sylvia, I'm going to have a game of chess with you with you when we get back into the building. So as this is happening, God is hiding these things. You know, I told you about these pennies from heaven with these numbers. He's hiding these things, and this is his habit. He hides things because he draws you deeper and deeper with him to discover these things. So on the day of Pentecost, the day of Shavuot, the people of Israel have always understood that something unique had happened on the day of Shavuot, that first day of Shavuot. What was unique about the first Passover was that they had to kill the lamb and put the blood on the doorposts. And to this day, the people of Israel have been instructed to tell that story from generation to generation. What happened on the first feast of Shavuot? Something glorious. The people of Israel, the rabbis and the sages, they all have it marked as a very unique day. It was the day that the people of Israel told Moses, Moses, we don't want to listen to hear God. His voice, if he speaks, it will kill us. You'll go and talk to him and come back and tell us what he said. You can read the story in Exodus 19 and 20. And the tradition in the history says that Moses told them, don't worry, he is with us and you won't die by hearing his voice. And he goes up actually into the mountain, up onto the mountain. And it is believed that on that first day, God gave, the first day of Shavuot, God gave Moses the law, the tablets of the law. It says that the mountain shook and the voice of God shook the, the whole place and there was trumpets blowing. And according to Jewish tradition in the Midrash and in the Talmud, it is believed that the language that God spoke with Moses so that Moses would understand was so loud and bellowing that within that language, was contained the 70 languages of the nations that inhabited the earth at that time. 
Okay, interesting fact. So what? Well, the so what is this? Because every time God speaks, his word becomes universal law. Every time God speaks, his word is creative and it lands and it goes on and it never comes back empty. Every time God speaks, his word is life. His word is law. His word is power. His authority is contained in his voice. So it is believed that when God speaks, he doesn't speak. Now, of course, there's some speaking and there's some speaking. There's speaking that he does in the whispers of your heart, and that's meant for you. But there's God speaking and declaring like he did when he said that, let there be the planets and the suns and the lights and the skies. That is global, universal, and huge. In the same way that when he spoke the law to Moses, that law for Israel was inscribed in the tablets of the stones. But for us, who are now grafted into that covenant with the people of Israel, with God, it is now grafted or, or, or carved in our hearts. It's not that we live under the law, but the law now has become part of us. So on this day of Shavuot, the first day of Shavuot, God gave the law. There's many other things that he did on those days in history, on the day of Shavuot. So the relationship between the presence of God on that mountain, which caused it to shake, and the voice of God that spoke and gave the tablets in his hands in inscribing the law on the mountain, there was that. And then after that, you find that there is the presence of God that goes with the people of Israel. Okay? There is the experience of the day of Pentecost, and then post that, God says with them, I will walk with you and I will travel with you. How did God travel with Israel in the wilderness? By day, it was the pillar of cloud, and by night, it was the fire. Those two things were called the presence of God. Anybody know what the Hebrew word for that presence of God is? We sing it. Boris again. All right, Boris, let's do for you today. Flip it out. Shekinah. Right? Is that what you said? I think I heard you say that. I'm going to ask you to unmute. I want to hear it directly from you. Shekinah. Thank you. Shekinah. Way to go, Boris. Shekinah is the Hebrew word that we use all the time. Shekinah, glory, come down. We sing it. What does it mean? Shekinah is related to Mishkan. It's related to it's the word that actually means the habitation. It means the presence. It means the habitation. It means the dwelling. It is that which dwells. The glory of God which traveled with Israel is that which dwells. So on the first day of Pentecost, the first day of Shavuot, 
God comes down the mountain, shakes and rumbles the mountain. His voice is so loud, it could contain 70 languages for all the planet, uh, the planet's nations. He inscribes the law in stone, and then he travels and dwells with Israel. Shekinah, we know to be the present glory of God. It came down and it was the experience, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit in effect. Right? But it happened another time where the glory of God at the dedication of the temple, it says that the glory of God filled the temple. It was a visible thing. The priests would fall on their face and they couldn't get up. I've been in some very anointed worship. I've been present in the place where leaders have led very anointed worship. There's a hush sometimes in the room. There's been times that, in my own experience, I've been in meetings or gatherings or get-togethers or small groups. doesn't matter how big the place is. It has nothing to do with the size of the people there. Even in my own worship, sometimes alone, I'm just worshiping God. The presence of God is, we call it thick. The presence was so thick today. That's not a misnomer. The presence of God actually thickens and thins, depending on how much he fills the place with his presence. That's why we read in the scripture that it says, be filled daily with the presence of the Spirit of God. So as this presence would fill the temple, so there is a filling. Before it's full, it's not all full. Right? When If, if there's a filling, it gets gradually filled. It doesn't all of a sudden fill. You can see it like the cloud. It was coming in. And Isaiah, in chapter 6, he talks about it. He says that he fell on his face and he could not speak. And he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Such my lips with the coal and all of that language. But this glory, this Shekinah, this dwelling of God is associated with the Shavuot or the Pentecost where God comes and releases the glory. It happened in the first Pentecost. It happened when the temple was built. And in Acts chapter 2, it happened on that day of Pentecost when they were all together in one place the Holy Spirit. And we think that the Holy Spirit is a New Testament expression of the presence of God. But let me show you some scriptures that may suggest to us that that may be a wrong understanding. I'm still having some technical challenges, but that's okay. We're going to get through them.
In Genesis chapter 1, in verse 1, we read these words. In the beginning, when God created, this is the New Revised Standard, when God created the heavens and the earth, the, oops, wow, things got all over the place here. Okay, here we are. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. That's a new revised standard. Unfortunately, as good as our translations that we use are, they are not as rich as the original language that was used to describe the things that God was in, uh, imparting to the writers of the Hebrew or in the Greek. So we have to sort of fudge our way through that. And how do we fudge our way through that? I don't mean fudge as in make it fit. I mean fudge as, as in study it and, and try to uncover it. So here's the, uh, this is the complete Jewish Bible. It's a translation that uses literal Hebrew words mixed in and in here, we find that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was unformed and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God. The Ruach HaKadosh. The Spirit of God. Okay, you can argue, well, maybe that's just the Spirit of God, but not the Holy Spirit. It's the same word that's used throughout the whole Bible. And the word spirit is actually the word wind in Hebrew. It's the word ruach. Even the sound of it is like the wind. Say it out loud if you can in your space. Ruach. Even as you end it, you sort of have to breathe out. You can't say it with a breath coming out of your mouth. It is the Spirit of God that is of God, that is God, that is coming out of God, that is coming to us. It is the wind that he breathed when he created humanity. It is that wind that he released. It's that wind that shook that mountain. It's that wind that filled the uh, the place and they felt like a whirlwind was happening on the day of Pentecost. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Ruach HaKadosh. It is the presence and the dwelling of God. It is God in spirit. It is all of that. I'm sorry, Sholei, I see you just sitting there quiet as I'm bulleting through all these words. It is the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God was right there in creation. The Spirit of God was not hiding in heaven all throughout from creation until the day of Pentecost after Jesus ascended. He was engaged. God was engaged on the earth, and he is engaged today. The experience of Pentecost that for some Christians, arguing 
that it is an experience that took place once where the spirit came down and the church was born. That is a, a that is an attempt by the enemy to keep you from experiencing the presence and the dwelling of God today because you're associated with a group of people that behave a certain way called the Pentecostals that they may be uncomfortable for you to accept. Put that aside. Look at the facts of the history. Look at the multitude of examples of the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit throughout all of the books of the Bible. And it becomes something that you want to experience because it is God present today as the dwelling one, the Shekinah. It is the God who is the Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God, the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, this Spirit is so precious that our, our, you know, one of the most famous songwriters in history, he has written a lot more songs that we sing than you can imagine. I'm talking about King David. He writes in the Psalms and he puts it this way. Create in me a clean heart, O God. This is the New Revised Standard. We sing it. We sing it often. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. And do not take your, what did he call it? Your Holy Spirit. So if there's a question of your mind, in your mind, about the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, He was there from the beginning of creation. He was there throughout the history. He was the one that spoke to Moses. He was the one that David cries out and says, don't take your spirit, your Holy Spirit. It's not just the Spirit of God. It is your Holy Spirit for me. In other words, he had the Holy Spirit which we feel that sometimes people of the Old Testament didn't have, but that's not true. He would come down upon people and they would prophesy. He actually was indwelling some people in the Old Testament, the ones that Moses would bring on to help build the tabernacle. They were filled with the Spirit, it says. This verse, if you spend some time in these three verses, 10, 11, and 12 of Psalm 51, on your own, take some time this week and look at this verse and, and ask the Lord to unpack it for you. You'll find reference to three spirit. Three times the word spirit is listed there. But let me show you what it says in the actual uh, complete Jewish Bible. It puts it this way. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a resolute spirit. That's the first one. Don't thrust me away from your presence. I'll give you a guess as to what that presence is. Don't take, this is actually in the scripture. This is not me putting words into the Bible. This is the complete Jewish Bible. Don't take your Ruach Kodesh away from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore in me, restore my joy in your salvation and let a willing spirit uphold me. Whose spirit is that last one? We'll talk about.
that later at some point. What am I getting at with all of this? Next week, next Sunday, on our calendar, is Pentecost Sunday for the Church. The Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, is coming up this week. This is a very holy time on God's calendar. As the stars are turning and spinning, He used this moment throughout history to do amazing things repeatedly. On the first one that we have calendared, we don't know what happened before that because we just didn't have a clue that it was a calendar. We didn't know that there was a global universal clock. But with Moses, we knew. He told him. And something happened on that first day of Pentecost. The Jewish people to this day take scrolls of the books of the Torah wear their prayer shawls and go start dancing in the streets to celebrate what they call the simcha or the, the celebration of the Torah. That was the day the word of God was released. As we're coming into that time, it is a time where the presence of God is so close to us. I beg you, prepare your hearts for this coming day of Pentecost. Open your hearts to God. Invite his presence, his Shekinah, to invade your space. He won't invade. He will only start filling in like the cloud or the fog that comes in. Allow him. Allow him to change you. Allow him to realign you. Allow him to change things in your mind and in your heart so that they can fit into his plan and his purpose. Oftentimes, we invite him to fit into our plan and purpose. Invite him to come in because he comes in as gentle as a dove. When Jesus was baptized, it says that the heavens opened, the voice of God spoke. I wonder, I don't have any way of proving this, but I'll study it some more. I wonder if his baptism was not on the day of Pentecost. because. The voice of God came, heaven opened, and the dove came down and laid it upon his head. It's as though it was his own moment. I don't know. Don't take that as, as fact. But there is a time that's coming in this next week. It's a time of preparation. Many different organizations and members of the body of Christ have been calling for a fast that ends on the 23rd of May. That's next Sunday. Mission GTA called three weeks of prayer from the last time I invited you to the prayer meeting on the 2nd. That ends next Sunday. They're calling for another meeting where they're saying, come for us to gather together in united prayer on the day of Pentecost. Go to missiongta.com and register if you haven't done so. You will get an email about it. But I invite you. I invite us as a congregation. Let's come together with other believers from across the GTA, and seek God to pour out His Spirit afresh. In your home, in your life. So I mentioned two already. The first day of Pentecost, when the law came down. The second was the filming of the temple. The third was on the day of Pentecost. 
on the day of Pentecost, the room shook. The wind blew. They all heard the wind. It was a parallel experience to the giving of the law on the mountain. On that day of Pentecost, as the wind blew, the room shook, and they had tongues of fire over their heads. I guess that was similar to doves lighting over Jesus' head. But these tongues of fire were no different than the fire that came down on the mountain and transcribed the law in stone. The glory that came in and walked with them in the desert for 40 years. The cloud and the fire. Now, this Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Spirit of God, that came down on the 120, baptized them into this new Pentecost. This is not a new Pentecost. This is the Pentecost from old. This is the same Pentecostal experience. The first Pentecostals were the Jews in the wilderness. And it carried through. And now, that wind that blew, in the first one they say that the, the sages tell us that the, the voice of God in that wind had all 70 languages of the nations in them. They don't see that yet. Their eyes are closed. But the same thing happened after Mashiach, Messiah, Jesus died and was resurrected and he poured out the spirit again. And now the disciples that were in that upper room, everyone heard them speaking in their own language. What do you think that is? That is the voice of the wind of God, the Spirit of God in the church, speaking as the same voice on the mountain spoke and released the 70 voices for all the nations to hear the law that was given, but Israel heard it first. And now it's up again on the same day of Pentecost in the upper room. They all heard, I don't know if it was the upper room, but they were together in one place, but everyone heard them speaking in their own language. It's the same wind. That wind is dying, not dying. That wind is itching to come true in us. So that as we speak, we speak one voice, the voice of God in everybody's language. So communication is not broken. So understanding is imparted. That Holy Spirit is right there waiting to be poured out in us, in City River, in your home, in your life. So that the Shekinah glory, the present dwelling of God in your heart can come out and speak the voice of God. I beg you, over this next week, take things seriously with God. Open yourself up to His Spirit. Invite Him in His Spirit. God, Holy Spirit, fill my life. Give me a new, refreshing baptism of Your Spirit. Pour Yourself on me, in me, cleanse me, fix me, align me. I believe this day of Pentecost is significant. I believe every day of Pentecost is significant because Israel was commanded to travel from all over the place, whether they were living in the land of Israel or they were living anywhere else, to travel and come to Jerusalem to encounter God at that moment. So it's not out of place for me to ask you, make an effort, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. next Sunday, to be on the Mission GTA call. Some of you were there, and I know, and I appreciate you being there. I pray that you were blessed. I'm praying for the same thing next Sunday. I invite you to come together, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us as a city in a region. I'm anticipating that he's going to take us deeper 
into this love relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this afternoon. I thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the way that you come down and dwell among sinners. I thank you for that first time that your spirit was hovering on this planet when it was void and shapeless and formless. You haven't stopped doing that. You come into lives that are wasted, formless, void of anything good, and you make good out of them. You make beautiful things, Lord. We sing those words. We don't realize the depth of how deep they are and how far back they go in your activity. Father, bring our hearts together. Even though we're not physically in one place, bring our hearts together that we could be together in your presence as you act upon us to bring to us this new refreshing baptism of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.